We are in our Win the Day series, and today we're going to be in the book of Zechariah. Now, it's, it's pronounced Zechariah, and I spell it Z-A-C-H-A-R-I-I-I. And you know what? That's wrong. After all these years, I had to look it up twice because it kept coming up with a squeaking line. Wouldn't you know it? Zechariah is spelled with a Z-E. Don't ask me why. Zechariah, Z-E-C-H. But I'm giving you a heads up now because you can start thumbing through your Bible or your, your thing to find it. It's in the Old Testament. We're going to be there this morning. I'll put the uh, big idea up on the screen, but then we'll have you pray. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Win the day. Our big idea for this morning is how you do anything is how you'll do everything. Fly the kite. Pray in with me, would you? Would you say this prayer to God silently in your heart? God, since there's something for me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something for me to hear, I, I'm willing to listen. And God, may you be glorified. May everyone hearing this message here or in their homes, I pray that they'd be edified. I pray that Satan would be horrified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you're tracking. So far we're trying to add some habits, install some godly habits in our life. We have three habits so far. Habit number one was flip the script. Everybody say flip the script. Okay, you're almost with me. You're sort of with me. I think this is that, is this that late summer we're exhausted and it's hot outside and it's annoying, right? All right, so wake up and be with me this morning. Everybody say flip the script. That is you telling yourself God's story. It's you telling yourself God's story. Not your story that you're in, because the story you're in is probably a hot mess. But, but flip the script of that story and say, this is what God's been doing. This is what he has done. If he did it before, he can do it again. Flip your script. Second habit we learned is to kiss the wave. Everybody say, kiss the wave. Remember, that wave is not your barrier. That wave is not in the way. The wave is the way. We need to learn to kiss that wave that dashes us on the rock of all ages. Amen? Amen and amen. We kiss the wave that dashes us upon the rock of all ages. And then last week, eat the frog. Ugh. Have you flipped, flicked that first domino yet? Remember, we talked about the domino effect. And nothing happens until you flick over that first domino. What's the domino you've got to flick? How hard is it going to be to change a bad habit to a good habit, to change good habits into God habits? And nothing happens until you flick the first domino. And that's called eating the frog. When do you do it? You eat the frog first thing in the morning. <laughs> because then you can say, I'm done with the worst part of today. We can move on from here. And again, if you've got to eat two frogs, you eat the biggest one first. Right? And so we're going to learn to, to flip the script, uh, kiss the wave, eat the frog. These habits in our life. We're talking about habit formation, habit stacking we talked about last week. And I pray you guys are catching on to this. Today, we move forward into fly the kite. Before I talk about flying the kite, let me get some things straight. How you do anything is how you'll do everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot straight at you now. Don't, don't hate me. If you're not giving with a little, I got to put these on. I hate it when I got to do that. Oh, this is what it was. I, I got a quote. I've heard people say, I'll give more when I make more. Let me shoot straight. If you're not generous with a little time, talent, and treasure, you won't be generous with a lot. How you do anything is how you'll do everything. 
Some people say, I'll serve more when I have more time. Seriously, you don't find time. You make time. Generosity starts here and now, never later. Friends, as we talk about this today, how you do anything is how you do everything. I want to really challenge you to get out of your comfort zone and stop saying someday. We do that all the time with everything. Someday. You know, someday. I used to make the mistake as a pastor, and I learned a long time ago, not to say, it'll slow down someday. It never slows down. It always amps up. It always gets worse. I I realized I was lying to myself when I say, I know I'm going too fast right now. And I know I've got too many plates in the, or too many, see, I got so many things going. I don't even know what to call it. I'm mixing my metaphors. I got too many plates splitting and too many uh, things in the fire, right? Too much happening. And all of a sudden I'm telling myself, well, someday it'll slow down. If I could just finish this month, man, the fall, the fall always slows down. The fall doesn't slow down. The fall gets worse. And then, oh, oh, but oh, the holidays just around the corner. And during the holidays, we do nothing but just slow down and enjoy, right? No! No! We finish fall, and we're hyperactive and crazy, and then we add the holidays, and it goes crazy ballistic. And then we tell ourselves, oh, at the first of the year. Man, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution to slow down. First of the year comes, and we add all those things that we said we should do. And we add new things. And we, friends, we've got to stop saying someday. Someday I'll, I'll give. I'll give to the church. Someday I'll give to, to Service Park. Someday when I make more, I'll give more. That's a lie. It's a lie from Satan. You're probably lying to yourself. If you're not generous with a little, you're never going to be generous with a lot. I'll serve when I find time. You don't find time. You make time. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, if how you do anything is how you'll do everything. And I want to tell you about the kite. What does it mean to fly the kite? I'm going to read it to you out of this. On November 9th, 1847, a civil engineer named Charles Ellett Jr. was commissioned to build a bridge across the Niagara Gorge. The question, of course, was when and where and how do you get the first cable across an 825-foot chasm with 225-foot cliffs on either side? Enter Theodore Graves Hewlett. An iron worker who suggested this, get this, a kite flying contest. No kidding. It was a 15-year-old boy named Holman Walsh who won the $10 cash prize for flying the first kite across the chasm. The day after the flight, a stronger line was attached to that kite string and then a rope and then a cable consisting of 36 strands of 10-gauge wire. It would become the world's first railway suspension bridge strong enough to support a 170-ton locomotive. And it all started with one kite string. It always does. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Some of you need to stop saying someday and you need to start flying the kite. Fly the kite. Get it in the air. From that comes a bridge to connect two countries. (laughs) Amazing what can happen with a little kite string. Are you willing to fly the kite? We all want God to do big things, but sometimes we're not ready to do the small things. You do the small things and let God do the big things. You do the small things like they're big things and let God do the big things like they're small things. Fly the kite is what I want to encourage you with today. And so we're going to look at a passage in Scripture. Zechariah, I'm telling you, start with a Z. You can double check me. 
Zechariah 4, verse 6 is the key verse. Not by mind, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now, that's a famous verse. How many of you have heard that verse before? Or maybe even quoted it before. That's a famous verse. It's not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. It comes out of the story we're going to tell today. And I'm going to ask that we look at it on this screen. We're going to read it. Uh, I'll read it for you on this screen in the NIV. And then I want to, I, I did a kind of a PD version of the Bible because I want to follow up with that maybe to help it come alive to you. In Zechariah 4, 6 through 10. So he said to me, Zechariah was the prophet. He said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? before Zerubbabel. You will become level ground. Then he will bring it out the capstone to shouts of God bless it. God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small beginnings? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. What's going on? I want to give you some history on Zerubbabel. And I know you all want to say it out loud, but I'm not going to let you. Don't say it out loud. It's just fun to say. You can say it on your way home. Zerubbabel, who was this guy? I looked up a history of Zerubbabel. And uh, let's see. Zerubbabel traveled to Judah after King Cyrus II allowed the Judean captives to return to their homeland to rebuild the temple. So Solomon's temple was amazing and ornate. It was one of the wonders of the world. And it was overtaken and they destroyed the temple. And the, the people of God have been in captivity. They've been on the run. And they've been uh, out of their town, out of their city. No temple. And I want to remind you in the Old Testament, the temple of the Lord is where the presence of the Lord was. We are so blessed that we have the spirit of the Lord. He's with us all the time. You are a temple, the Bible says now. But back in the Old Testament, the temple was the location of God's spirit. God's spirit wasn't in people. Uh, don't forget, remember King Saul? The Bible says that God's spirit rested on him, but when he disobeyed, his spirit was removed from him. That's why he went insane as a king. Imagine leading a million people, and then all of a sudden you had the blessing of the Lord removed from you. It would be a mess. And so he went nutso, like literally nutso. We won't get into that day. But that's how the spirit of the Lord was, and the presence of the Lord. We in the New Testament are so blessed. You don't have to come to Oakwood to the physical property to experience the presence of the Lord. You have him. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. The Bible says he's your deposit until Jesus comes. You get him. It's a wonderful thing. But back then, can you imagine being a people on the run, no land, and you know that the beautiful temple that housed God's spirit and presence, gone, destroyed. Well, this King Cyrus allowed them to come back to their homeland and start rebuilding the temple. So Zerubbabel is listed in the Bible as an ancestor of Jesus, Matthew 1. And then we find out that he, as governor of Judah, so he went back and now he's governor, Zerubbabel was appointed as one of the initial leaders to supervise the reconstruction of the Jerusalem temple with the help of Joshua, the high priest. After a season of about 14 months to get settled, the Jewish people began to rebuild in earnest. It wasn't long before the opposition arose from the surrounding adversaries, and eventually the work was brought to a standstill by the order of King Artaxerxes. 
After a 17-year delay under the next king of Persia, Darius, the Jews were granted permission to continue rebuilding. Within three and a half years after the second after that began, the temple was completed in 516 B.C. Zerubbabel is revered as one of the Bible's great heroes, laboring to reconstruct the Lord's house of worship like a shining beacon toward the coming Messiah. When the temple Zerubbabel helped rebuild paled in comparison, although it paled in comparison to the size and grandeur of Solomon's, it far outlasted it. In fact, Zerubbabel's temple was still standing 500 years later when the promised Messiah, Jesus, graced its courts. Can you imagine it? Zerubbabel. He was given the task to rebuild the house of the Lord so the presence of the Lord can be there for the people. It had been knocked down. It's kind of, oh, he put his hand to work and then they put the foundation down. As soon as they put the foundation down, people started complaining because it was nowhere near the size of Solomon's. The old people that had been around looked and saw the, the foundation and they wept because it wasn't anywhere near as big as Solomon's temple. And I think it was Hosea had to come in and, or Haggai, somebody had to come in and get him straight and say, knock it off, it's going to be great. This is what the Lord's plan is. Don't worry about the size. It's going to house the presence of the Lord. But Zerubbabel did the hard thing. He went to work. And that's what we just saw as we read through that. I want to read it in my new PD. It's not an authorized version, but let's read it from here. So putting together everything that I saw and putting it kind of in modern English. Then he said, Zechariah, this is God's message to Zerubbabel. Not by my, nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You will succeed because of my spirit, though you are few and weak. Though you are few and weak. I love how God is honest. You're not much, but I chose you, Zerubbabel. You're not much. But it's okay. I'm going to do it. It's through my spirit. It's not by your power or might, but it's through my spirit. We need to trust in that today. Amen. Some of you aren't willing to fly the kite because you're saying, I can't do that. I can't get the, the bridge built. No, you can't. But fly the kite and see what God can do. Let his spirit work in you and through you. It's the Holy Spirit that's the X factor. Everybody say X factor. That Holy Spirit in us is the X factor in everything you do. You aren't good enough. You aren't smart enough. You aren't strong enough. Uh, you've heard this saying many times. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. How many times in Scripture does God pick somebody and that person is definitely, oh my goodness, that's your choice? I mean, did you look at the disciples? They're young and they're fishermen. I mean, the people who got to follow a rabbi were educated. And they'd been primed for that their whole life. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, you want to follow me? Drop your nets. Let's go. Moses st stuttered. He, he, he wasn't good at talking in front of people. God says, I want you to go to the king, the whole world, the, the guy in charge of everything on the planet and talk for me. I can't do that. I know you can't. This is what's gonna, that's what's going to make this great. And so here we are saying, I can't fly the kite because I don't have what it takes. Of course you don't have what it takes. But we have in us the X factor. So you do have what it takes. Let me correct it. You do have what it takes today. If you haven't flown the kite because of your scaredness or your unwillingness, fly the kite. 
Trust in the X factor. We've got the Holy Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, it was called the Rock. Not the rock, but the rock. It meant, um, it meant breath and wind. The Holy Spirit, breath and wind. I like the word in the New Testament. The New Testament, the Holy Spirit was referred to pneuma. Any man in this room or woman who works on diesel engines knows what I'm getting at. Pneuma. How many of you work on pneumatic tools? Anybody have a pneumatic tool? Yeah, yeah. I've got one. I shouldn't. I got one. I'm not allowed to use power tools. My father-in-law hooked me up. I got this big tank. It's got air in it, right? And that's what it is. It's uh, air in motion. The New Testament, the Holy Spirit is air in motion. I like how the New Testament had bumped it up. From Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And now he's everywhere. He's not just hanging out in the temple. He's everywhere in every believer. And so it's like a pneumatic drill, man. It's got that power. Power. Power in motion. Compressed air. And then I got that thing. I don't know what to do with it. Uh, I'm supposed to take tires off my car with it. I don't know what to do when my tires come off, but zit, zit. Whoa, I love that sound. You got power in that thing. And so when we got the Old Testament, it kind of sounded easy. Breath, wind. New Testament, zit, zit. power, pneuma. That's what we have in the Spirit of God. And so then it moves on in the story. Therefore, oh, this is my favorite part. No, it's not. It's my second. It's my favorite part on this slide. Therefore, no mountain, everybody say no mountain, however high can stand before Zerubbabel, for it will flatten out before him. Oh, I love that verse. Zerubbabel, you're not much. He just told him that in the verse before. Zerubbabel, you're, you're, you're really not much. There's few of you and you're not that mighty. However, every mountain in front of you is going to lay down and just flatten out. Anybody here have a mountain in front of them? Well, you know mountains. Mountains of debt. Mountains of relational issues. Mountain of, of, uh, of work issues. Mountain of health issues. Come on now, raise your hand. Who has a mountain in front of them? We all get mountains from time to time. Wouldn't it be great to hear what w- the word of the Lord said to Zerubbabel? Every mountain that you come in front of is going to flatten out for you. Woo! I love that. And then here's a declaration. And Zerubbabel will finish building this temple with mighty shouts of thanksgiving for God's mercy, declaring that all was done by grace alone. That's what that passage was saying. How would you like to be told by God, here's what I want you to do? And then he he declares, it will happen. If I'm Zerubbabel and I'm hearing this, it started out pretty honest. (laughs) You're not much, you're not many, and you're not mighty. But you will accomplish this. And there will be shouts of joy. In the passage you saw, it talked about the capstone. The capstone is that final stone that finishes the building. And and God said, when that capstone lands, the people will cheer. There will be mighty shouts of, God did it. God did it. There will be rejoicing. I would love that if I was Zerubbabel. I'd want to hear those good words. Then another message that I received from the Lord said, Zerubbabel, laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that these messages are from God, from the Lord Almighty. And then this, do not despise the day of small beginnings. For the eyes of the Lord rejoice to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. You know what a plumb line is? 
It's when they go out to do the survey and they go out to get things level and straight. And, they, and it's when they're starting the work. I want to point out something. The Lord said, Zerubbabel, you will finish it. The capstone will be placed and this temple will be built. And the people will rejoice. But do you know when God started cheering? Do you know when Zerubbabel got a standing ovation? It's when he went out the first day with a plumb line. Guys, there's no building permit yet. They haven't broken ground yet. They barely have a plan. But Zerubbabel went out to the site with a plumb line in hand, and the Lord of heaven gave a standing ovation. People tend to rejoice when they see it completed. God never despises the day of small beginnings. Did you hear that? Fly your kite to a standing ovation in heaven. Fly your kite. No matter how small it is that you need to start something, you fly that kite. Use the X factor. The Holy Spirit's going to complete it. And God will applaud you from heaven. Boy, I don't know if you're with me. Somebody say, I'm with you. I hope you're with me today because, man, this is good, good stuff. We don't do amazing things for God. He does amazing things for us. And He does amazing things through us. But it's us to up to do the natural. Let God do the supernatural. So, I want to show you some pictures. Did anybody notice on your way in today? Did you notice? That house out front is gone. It is level ground. I am so excited. This is uh, after they had already started. The back end of that house is gone. The garage is gone. And then you can see these guys doing some work. Not great pictures of the guys, but you can see that house was still standing. It was really dilapidated. Boy, look at that clear look. Look, you can see our, our church through that way now. And then I don't know why it's there. I showed my wife this. She didn't see it. Where's that thing? Look at this butterfly. I'm not saying it's the Holy Spirit or anything, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I think the Lord is pleased. I couldn't help but laugh yesterday. I kept coming by. I found reasons I had to drive by the church all day yesterday, you know, before the wedding and after the wedding. I thought I'd come by and just see how the progress was. Knocking down the house. Oh, I love seeing it. Look at this. Oh, that's it. It is gone. Somebody say amen. 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 There's a pile of rubble. And I like how John, hey, Ozzy, did you park it there on purpose kind of to say, I did it? <laughs> I love it. Uh, they knocked that thing down. They're going to be scraping that all up. We're going to get those in the dumpsters, and it's going to be ground. And some people would say, so what's the big deal? I think the Lord rejoices from heaven when he sees the plumb line. I can see the park. I don't know if you guys can see the park. I can see it in my mind. When I drive by and I see that house gone, I can see the pavilion out there. Now, I can see the sports courts. I can see the beautiful children's playground area. I can see it in my mind. And I know we're excited about that day. But the Lord started applauding yesterday. He said, if you'll just fly the kite. And you know what? Yesterday, when, when Ozzy, actually he cheated, he started on Friday night, right? Friday night, he came over and just knocked the top off the garage. Ozzy, you were there by yourself with that big old machine. You know, when you knock down the top, the Lord went, Woo! Something's going to happen! They're knocking it down! they got to knock it down before I can build it up. And I got so excited to see it happening yesterday. Oakwood, in a little way yesterday, flew the kite. And we said, God, take this little string. 
turn it into something big. I talked to Ozzy last night on the phone because uh, there was a dome light on inside that big old machine there, and I didn't want it to run out of battery power. So I called Ozzy, and I'm like, Ozzy, there's a light on. He said, I'll come over and do it. I said, man, you guys knocked it out of the park. He goes, no, no, we knocked it down for the park. That was a good one, Ozzy. That was a good one. They did. He saw it. He saw it. The why we're doing it. Oh, I love that. So three things today. Let me give you before we go. Oh, I can see it. Look at that. We're going to keep that ugly shed there because that's got stuff in it we need to store. But that new pavilion's got storage on the end of it. It's going to be huge. It's going to be awesome. So what do we do? How do we move forward? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. I just want to fast forward a couple years from now when I stand up here and, and, and show you this picture with this saying one more time. When we're enjoying a pavilion and the park and the play and all the ah. So what do we do? How do we fly the kite? Three things today. Make it real simple. Three things. Give myself a start date. Give myself a start date. You can't finish what you do not start. Mark Batterson, who wrote this book, uh, Win the Day, has written several books. But interesting, he felt called at 22 to start writing. Mark says that at 22, he felt called to write a book. However, in college, when you take an aptitude test, he found out that his lowest aptitude was writing. That was his worst gift. But Mark thought he was called to write a book. So you know what Mark did? I, I know you, from what I said before, you're like, well, he probably started writing. No, he didn't. He, he didn't write a thing. Mark knew that he didn't know how to write, so he decided he was going to read. <laughs> he started by reading books. This is what I love about Mark Batterson and Flying a Kite day of small beginnings, he didn't just read a book. He read 3,000 books before he wrote one word. He figured, if I read 3,000 books, I'll know how to write a book, and he did. What? Talk about flying a kite. At age 22, he felt called, so he started reading books. 13 years later, he still hadn't written one word, so he gave himself a deadline. I will not turn 35 without a book published. And at 35, before he turned 35, Mark published his first book. You've got to give yourself uh, a deadline. A dream without a deadline is dead on arrival. So skip the excuses. I'm not qualified. Sure, maybe you're not qualified, but God does great things to people that he wants to qualify. Let God take care of that. His power is made perfect in my weakness. The Lord kind of gets a thrill out of showing his glory in our weakness. And so, you know what? Stop using the excuse, I'm not qualified. Stop using the excuse, I'm not ready. So many people say that all the time. I'm just, I'm just not ready. You're never going to be ready. You're never going to be ready. Were you ready to get married? Some of you think you were, but you weren't. hundred weddings or so that I've performed. I stand there every day looking at these couples. I looked at these two beautiful people yesterday. And they were older. You know, they're 30 and 29. And I'm like, man, are they ready for this? Are they really ready for this? Probably not. I look back and I was just a kid. I thought I was so grown up and mature when I married Julie. I had no business marrying that girl. I barely had any money. Man, we're going to live on love. Guess what? Love don't buy jack, right? So you can't live on love, but we're young. We're in love. We're going to do it. Were we ready? We weren't ready. Were we ready to have kids? We probably thought we were. We weren't ready to have kids. Kids come. Then what do you, I mean, praise God that he made women to be the ones that gave birth. 
because women have a short memory. If men had babies, every family would only have one child. Trust me, only one. But ladies, God blessed you with that beautiful thing about amnesia or something because multiple kids come. And we're not ready to have two kids. You're not ready to have three kids. You're not ready to be outnumbered. If you wait until you're ready for that job, if you wait until you're ready for that next, you're never going to be there. Stop with the excuses. You're not ready. Fly the kite anyway. Number three, I'm waiting for the right situation. You're not going to find the perfect situation. In Ecclesiastes, the writer says, whoever watches the wind will not plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. I like that verse. You keep looking up, you're going to say the conditions aren't right. The conditions aren't right. If you do that, you're never going to make any motion at all in your life. Forget the I'm not qualified. Forget the I'm not ready. Forget that it's not a perfect time. Fly the kite. Let God take a hold of that little string and do mighty things. So number two, go ahead and dream big, but start small. Again, don't forget, we, we overestimate what we can do in one day, but we underestimate what God can do in a year or 10 years. Start small, but dream big. And I want to remind you to remember the future. Isn't that weird? It's kind of like back to the future thing going on here. Remember the future when you dream big, but start small. Remind yourself of what you're doing and why you are doing it. I'm going to tell you a bricklayer story. The uh, St. Paul's Cathedral was leveled uh, in a fire of 1666, and it was Christopher in London. Christopher Wren was commissioned to rebuild it. One day in 1671, Wren observed three bricklayers on the same scaffold, and he asked them all what they were doing. The first bricklayer said, I'm laying bricks. The second bricklayer said, I'm building a wall. The third bricklayer said, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of God. Three guys doing the same job, but three different visions of what they were doing. One guy says, I'm laying bricks. That's true. One guy says, I'm going to build this wall. And the other guy said, I'm building a cathedral to honor the Lord. Don't despise the day of small beginnings, but remember the future in what you're doing. When, when you forget your future, you'll trade your birthright for a bowl of soup. You guys remember Esau? Remember Esau? He was the, the, the son, and he was hungry. And, and his brother Jacob, how many Jacobs do we have in the room? Is your name Jacob? Any Jacobs? Do we have any Jacobs? I don't see any Jacob. So Jake, Jake's not here. Your brother's not here today? Okay, good. Jacob means mischief and deceiver. That's what Jacob means, the word Jacob. So if y'all naming your kids Jacob, you better be ready for what you plant in his mind. Jacob. Jacob's Esau's brother, a little mischief maker, Jacob, decides he wants to have the birthright. He wants to steal the birthright from his older brother. His older brother owns the firstborn, right? Yeah, they're twins, and that one just popped out a little earlier, but Jacob wants it. And so Esau comes in all hungry and famished, and, and Jacob's a good cook. And Jacob puts a bowl of soup out there and says, smell that. Esau's like, I'm hungry. And Jacob's like, wouldn't that be good? I'm so hungry. Well, I'll give it to you if you give me your birthright. What? If you give me your birthright, I'll give you this bowl of soup. Esau's like, well, I'm hungry now. What a good is a birthright to me? I, a birthright's not feeding me. Give me the soup. He takes the soup and gives his birthright over. Talk about not remembering the future, not remembering what's coming. 
that's better than a bowl of soup. He sold it away for very little. Don't sell your future away because you're not willing to fly the kite, because you're not ready. You're not qualified. It's not the right timing. Don't, don't, don't sell your birthright for a bowl of soup. Esau made a huge mistake. Third thing today. We're going to, uh, oh yeah, think long. Don't forget your future. Third thing, make every day count. Count the days. This has to do with if you don't make it measurable, you're not going to make it manageable. Anything you set out to do, you've got to have some goals, some deadlines. Without a deadline, it's dead, dead in the water. So make every day count, count the days. You want to break records, then you need to keep records. That's the hard thing. That's the, all of us can leave today going, yeah, I feel good about it. I'm going to fly the kite someday. Yeah. You can all walk out of here and do that. You're like, oh, man, PD's right. Man, I can trust in the Lord. My God can do great things. I'm going to do that one thing. I'm going to lose that 100 pounds. I'm going to have myself a six-pack. No, 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 not you know, a six-pack. A six-pack. I want a six-pack. Someday, you know, fly the kite. You know, maybe eat one Coney dog for lunch instead of five. And that's your day of great beginnings, right? Small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Put that Coney dog down and hear the Lord from heaven stand up and applaud you. Because it's a plumb line in your hand. Actually, it's a plumb line out of your hand. Stop eating that many Coney dogs, right? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. But you have to start. You have to give yourself a deadline. Without a deadline, nothing ever happens. And then we've got to uh, uh, mark milestones, celebrate winning streaks. Man, I don't know about you, but as a pastor, I... I'm just giddy about what's happening. I can't help but to go downstairs and see the new room for our student ministries down there. And it's going to be awesome. Some of you walk down there and say, oh, this is a mess. I'm excited. I look at it and say, look at the space. Yeah, you can say, well, the walls are ugly right now. And the, and the lights are dangling. For, yeah, but that's not how it's going to be. I can see what's going to be there. I can see the kids bouncing off the walls. That's why we took all the stuff off the walls. We're going to just paint the walls. Cement walls and a cement floor. Man, the youth can spill and throw and break. It's going to be great. I'm going to love that. It's going to be an awesome space. Ben's down there thinking of colors. and He's trying to plan out lights and where the stage is. And to me, don't despise the day of small beginnings. The Lord rejoices when we just put out the tape measure. The first day we went down there, deacons, and we said we could take these walls out. The Lord is up in heaven saying, knock it down. Knock it down. Fly that kite. The same time all that's happening downstairs, we got everything that's happening across the street. It's finally begun. We've been down for a year and a half or so because of the stupid pandemic, and now things are happening again. And I can get so excited. So excited. And I want you as a people to not despise the day of small beginnings. Let's rejoice that work has begun. And let's remember the future of what's coming. That's what the Lord, he, he encourages us, he inspires us, and he's got the power to do these things. So what kite do you need to fly today? Uh, bring up your team there, Philip, bring up your team. What kite do you need to fly today? Is it $100,000 of financial debt and you don't see a way? Win the day tomorrow. Make a plan and a goal. Is there a mountain in front of you? I love what the Lord said to Zerubbabel. Every mountain in front of you is going to flatten out. You got $100,000 in debt that you don't see a way out? Well, stop digging a deeper hole first. 
and start making plans to climb out of that hole. Is there a relationship issue that's happening in your marriage? It might take 17 counseling sessions, but nothing's going to happen until you pick up the phone and you call for help. You fly the kite and call Pastor Don today and say, I need help in my marriage, Pastor. We'll get you connected. We'll pay for the first two sessions of counseling. We believe in it so much that we want to see the kite flown. And so we'll back you up. We'll pay for the first two sessions. If you pick up the phone and say, Pastor Don, I need help. You pick up the phone. That's flying the kite. That's putting a plumb line out and God saying, I'm going to bless that. I don't know what your kite is. I don't know what you need to fly. But I challenge you today, flick that first domino. And look what the Lord can do. Flip the script, eat the frog, fly the kite, win the day. And what happens when you win the day? You get up and what? You do it all again. You get up the third day and you win the day. It's called a winning streak. It's also called sanctification. Win the day. Father God, I pray for your people. God, this story of Zerubbabel is in our our minds and our thoughts today. And it's so exciting to see uh, what happens when you tell your servants that they'll receive a victory. That's exciting, Lord. So, God, I know we need to test all things to make sure it's in your will. Uh, God, we can't just uh, claim victory over things that wouldn't be uh, godly and and innocent, pure and lovely. And, And so, God, we pray that when we think of what needs to be started in our lives, a bad habit that needs to be removed and more better habits replacing it, or a good habit that needs to become a God habit, God, I pray that we would stop giving excuses and we would start flying the kite. And, God, you don't despise that day of small beginnings. This little string that you can turn into a bridge. We thank you for it, God. We believe in it. We know that you've done it before. You can do it again. We still believe that you're the God who makes sidewalks through seas. We still believe that you're the God who stops the sun when he wants to. We believe that you're the God who takes water and turns it into fine wine. We believe that you're a God who rolls a stone away in a garden tomb. And there's life. Oh, God, help us to live. God, we want to live. God, I know that you tell us we're dead in our sins, but when we've come to you and ask you for new life, you've given us new life. And so, God, may we live. Everybody say live. Live. God, help us to live. Thank you for your spirit, that pneuma power. I pray it would be real and effective in us. May you do the work. We'll give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.